Have you ever wondered, does prayer work? Maybe you've wondered, am I doing it right? Is it making a difference? Uh, one day Jesus is praying, his disciples are watching, and when he finishes, he walks back over and one of them asked, Lord, will you teach us how to do that? Will you, will you teach us how to pray? And these are Jewish boys who grew up seeing and hearing religious people pray, and they've prayed many times. But more than once, they've watched Jesus pray, and there was something that caused them to look at each other and go, I don't think we're doing this right. Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And I suspect many of you, even those of you that grew up in church, that there's times that you wonder, is this working? Am I doing it right? Are my prayers going any further than my ceiling? And at some point in your life, maybe at this point in your life, you've wondered, is anybody really listening? And maybe you wonder because you've never really learned how to pray. Because most of us in America, we're told something along the lines of prayer is, it's just talking to God. And for most, prayers like, uh, Dear Heavenly, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We always get that in. Um, help me get an A on the test and help this girl to pay attention to me and to get a date and forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's be honest. For those of us that do pray, not, not all, but for most of us, typically, we pray on the go. Maybe in the car, most before a big test or a big meeting or with your boss or when there's an emergency, when you're sick or you want a job or you want to keep your job, when the bank account's about empty, when there's, uh, now, now there's nothing wrong with praying during those times or about those things. But if we'd been with Jesus, like these men were, I'm confident we would have said what they said. I don't think I'm doing it right. Jesus, will you teach me how to pray? And maybe the reason you don't pray or you don't think prayer works is because you don't know how to pray. But the great news is Jesus teaches us. And this is a prayer that always works. Now, Matthew, Matthew 6, he records for us uh, that Jesus decides to teach his disciples and anyone else that was listening, like us, uh, he, how to pray. He says, assuming when you do this, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And I know nobody listening or watching is a hypocrite, nobody besides me. Uh, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street in the corners to be seen by others. And I doubt any of you do this. If you do do this, everybody thinks you're a freak anyway. But in this culture, it, it wasn't unusual for religious people to pray these loud, complicated prayers to be seen. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't pray to be seen by others so they go, wow, you are just so godly. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And then Jesus, he introduces this idea that somehow when you pray, you pray correctly, there's a reward. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And this is where we need to lean in. Now, again, this is the man who predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection. So I think we should listen to him. Jesus says, when you pray, you should be alone. Now, in other places, we learn that there's actually great value in praying with others. So he's not saying don't ever pray with others or uh, ever when others can hear you. Rather, he's describing a spiritual practice of regular, consistent, daily praying, praying to God, a life of prayer, a prayer life, that in your personal daily prayer life, you need to have isolation from the world and the activity around you so that you can focus, which we all struggle with. And this is between you and your father. And when you pray your prayers to your unseen father, uh, what he sees, says next would be so powerful if we believed it. Then your father who sees what is done in secret. Now pause there for just a moment. 
I don't know exactly how this works. I'm talking to you as far as I know, but what if you were truly confident that when you prayed, God saw and heard you? Wouldn't that be huge? In fact, I I think for most of you, that would be enough to satisfy about 95% of what you're going to God to pray for anyway. I mean, just, just knowing that in a world full of billions with the national and global chaos in this moment, God sees me. He sees you. So let me say it. Jesus says that when you pray, maybe especially in secret, according to Jesus, he sees you and he hears you. Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You might say, well, I'm not praying for a reward. But when you pray in secret and in the way he's about to teach us, the unseen God sees you and will reward you, which in our American way of thinking means, awesome, God's going to give me what I want. But you already know that kind of prayer doesn't work, right? Or you would have been the prom king, uh, prom queen, driving a GTO or Ferrari as soon as you turned 17. You would have dated the cutest girl or the hottest guy, right? That's, That's not the reward of prayer. It's much better than that. And then Jesus dips down into our world a bit. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Do not be like them. So a pagan's thought, if I pray to the gods or the God with the right words, with many words, somehow I'll be able to bend God to my will. I'll bend his will to mine. With enough faith and words and passion and volume, and in some cases, if I slash myself and do antics and sacrifices and have so much intensity, God's just going to be like, okay, you have bent me to your desire. You can have what you want. Jesus says, don't pray like that. That's not what prayer is, and it's not how it works. And the implied question is, seriously, how big is your God? I mean, do you really want a God that you can convince and manipulate and bend to your will with your vast and errant perspective? I mean, seriously, Aren't you grateful God didn't answer some of your prayers the way you wanted in the past? And then Jesus gives an insight that for some can seem a little demotivating, but but hang in there. He says, don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. You, You don't need to be loud or long or beg or plead or repeat yourself over and over again. You don't need to try and faith God into stuff because Jesus says your father knows what you need and want before you ask him. Now, when you read that, if there, there's likely something in you that goes, well, if God already knows what I need and what I want before I ask, then why ask? Well, why pray? What's the point? And if there's something in you that Jesus' words are, they kind of deflate your desire to pray. You know, I thought prayer was going to God to get God to do what I want. Jesus would go, I'm so glad you asked for the clarification. So now that Jesus has us wondering and confused, he says, this then is how you should pray. This is the Jesus way to pray. And what follows isn't a formula that if you say these magic words, magic things will happen. That's superstition and religion. Jesus is saying, here's a new direction, a new perspective, a a new way, a new model, a new pathway to pray. And what follows feels so familiar. You may have said it a thousand times. If you're over 50, you've heard it sung a thousand times. In fact, when we get to the end, we should all just bust out in our biggest soprano tenor voice. But I want you to try and listen fresh and new, not just to what Jesus said, but what he meant by what he said. And maybe no one ever explained this to you. He says, when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is very different than dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Now we've got that out of the way. Let's get to me. Now, in this phrase, there's so much. Our Father is the most intimate thing, and not earthly Father, but the perfection of Father. 
See, all of us have experienced imperfect fathers, just like I was an imperfect father and am. Fathers who may have loved us and yet wounded us from time to time, which means there's something that we all know intuitively, that there is a version of perfect, a perfect version of father, of dad, who will never leave or forsake us and never, ever fail us. Our father in heaven, so far away, hollowed, that's big, majestic, separate, holy, revered be your name. Jesus says when you pray, I want you to pause right as you begin, and I want you to wrap your mind around who you're talking to, about how big, and I want you to come up with other words to add to this. So I want you to be reminded he's the creator of all things. He created you. He's the God of all the heavens. Everything that was created was created by him. And this great, big, transcends space and time God who was here before you got here will be here long after you leave this earth. This great, big, eternal God has invited you to refer to him as Father. And the longer we stay here, the smaller everything else becomes in our prayer life. The quicker we rush through this, the bigger and more overwhelming everything else is in our life. Pause and think about who you're talking to, about the fact that you've been invited to address him as father. And in that culture, more so even than now, father meant respect. Father means you're smarter than me. I can trust you. You have my best interest in mind. Father means you knew me before I was born. And as your child, you will sacrifice for me to help me. Father means that whatever you say, I will do, even when I don't understand. Because while Father is tender and intimate, Father is also authority. Our Father in heaven. Wow, I get to talk to you. And then he gets to the part where we should all just be stuck longer, especially with all that we're experiencing in the world. Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We just need to hit the brakes there. Jesus is teaching, before we get to, to me, we must first surrender to him. See, sometimes there are things wrong in my kingdom, and I want God to fix those things, right? In my kingdom. Sometimes there are people in your kingdom, they just don't understand that you're the king, you're the queen. Sometimes people in your family, and for sure your friends on social media, they just don't realize you really are the smartest. And if they would just listen to you and do what you would say, uh, do what you say, the world would be a better place. And so you pray, God, help this person. Help these poor people in my life to see the world the way I see it, because clearly you and I see it the same way, and so they're wrong. My husband, he's cute, but God, good grief, a little more common sense. My kingdom's at risk. My friends on social media, God, they're just so blind and ignorant. So give them ears to hear me and help them to see life and world and politics and pandemics and social justice exactly the way I do. God, I need you to do something about my kingdom, the kingdom of my finances, of my health, my relationships or singleness or my somewhat unhappy or even bad marriage, the kingdom of my work or my career. God, my kingdom has a problem and I need you to fix it. Jesus says, hey, before we get to your kingdom, are you first willing to declare sincerely, regardless of what happens in my kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in my world as it is in heaven. God, I'm not here to convince you to bend in my direction. I'm here to make sure I'm bent in yours because the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it. Now, there are a lot of famous preachers. They teach the purpose of prayer is to get God to do your bidding. And if you have enough faith and you do this, God will do this. If you give one, God will give you 10. And this whole prosperity gospel is just a crock of, uh, there's some very, very rich preachers 
who've made a lot of money and a big reputation preaching that. But Jesus would go, are you kidding me? How small is your God? Do you really want a God you can manipulate? Do you want a God that small? Are you kidding me? I mean, wouldn't your life be far more fulfilling? Wouldn't you have a much bigger impact on the world if you lived your life bending in his direction instead of trying to to get him to bend in yours? And this is important. This whole idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it should determine how long you pray. I mean, think about it. When Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, who he knew he was going to raise from the dead, and it was God's will to do that. It's like, God, this is going to be awesome. You and I both want the same thing. We want to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, God, in fact, the only reason I'm praying is so they'll see me talking to you, so they'll know you did it, not me. Okay, let's do this. And when it came to giving, giving Lazarus back his life after four days, he prayed 20 seconds. When it came to the decision to lay down his life, you know how long he prayed? All night. The length of your prayers will be determined by how long it takes you to get to the place where you can say with all of your heart, soul, and strength, thy will be done, even if I hate it, even if I disagree with it, even if it costs me. I'm not here to bend your will to mine. I'm here to bend mine to yours. But there's going to be times and struggles and bumps and health issues and marriage issues and financial issues and all this where you're so distraught and there's going to be so much pain and agony, maybe right now. That to get to the place where you can say sincerely, God, before we get to my kingdom, I want you to to know thy will be done, and I mean it. There are times to get to that point, it's not going to happen in a moment or five minutes or even an hour. It may take a day. It may take a night. It may take consecutive days. But until you can get to that place, there's not much point in going any further in your prayers. But that kind of prayer works 100% of the time. Because the purpose of prayer, according to Jesus, is to recalibrate your heart and mind so that it is in sync with the heart of the Father. Not to convince the Father to do something for you that he's otherwise not interested in doing. Because he loves you. He's your Father. He's the Lord of creation and eternal. He transcends space and time. He's able to see every single variable and ripple effect in your life and in the lives of everyone connected to you through future generations. You and I were just a blip. But here's the thing, that doesn't make you and I small. It makes you significant because the God of eternity has invited you to address him as Heavenly Father. Can you even imagine what would happen in our country, in our world, in our churches if every single morning, every single Christian got alone on their knees or on their faith and said, you are the great God, the maker of heaven and earth. And before I ask anything of you, I want you to know your kingdom come, your will be done in me, through me, in my family, in finances, my career, health, marriage, lack of marriage, in this broken world that without you is utterly dark and broken, thy will be done. I can take no for an answer. I can take wait for an answer. I can take yes for an answer, but thy will be done. Do you know what happens when you pray until you can say that sincerely? You're rewarded. That's what Jesus says. Do you know what you're rewarded with? Peace. And isn't this the very thing that you so desperately want right now in your life? And Jesus knew, until we can get to the point of, God, I trust you, your will be done, nothing else matters. Then Jesus gets on to the part that we're most interested. Give, give us, give me. God, God, now that I've recalibrated, it's all about you, not me, not, not my glory. There are some things that I want you to give me. So Jesus says, here's what you should pray for. Give us today our daily bread. 
Now, for the Jewish people, this reminded them of when their forefathers and foremothers crawled out of their tents each morning on their way to the promised land, and there was daily bread. Manna spread all over the ground, and they got just enough for the day. And Moses warned them, look, you're going to get just enough for the day, but a time's going to come where you're going to be wealthy. You're going to have so much provision. Other nations, they're going to come and buy food from you. But on that day, do not forget that it came from above, from God, from me. Don't ever stop recognizing that every bite of food you have, every time there's shelter over your head, every time you're cared for and you have provision, it came from me. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's not so much a request as it is a recognition that every provision comes from God. Uh, When I'm praying with my wife or someone I'm having a meal with, many of you who have eaten with me, you've, you've heard me pray along these lines, like, God, thank you so much for this awesome and amazing food. God, I, I know there are millions or people all over the world that could only dream of a meal like this. We don't take it for granted. Thank you for just choosing to be incredibly generous, not because we deserve it, but because you're a generous God. And Jesus has also prayed for this and forgive us our debts. God, another thing, would you forgive us our debts? And we understand it's reciprocal as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's a recognition that, God, I have sinned. Oh, have I sinned. And I can ask you forgiveness because you sent your son into this world. I have him as my sacrifice and savior. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And as well, I'm going to extend it to the people around me. I'm not going to get up off my knees until everyone's forgiven. Just like I don't want want to get up off my knees until I know you have forgiven me. And for some of us, it's going to force you to pray a little longer, won't it? Because it's easy to ask forgiveness. It is not so easy to forgive. Jesus teaches every single day, every single time you pray, you are reminded that you're a forgiven person who's been asked to forgive the people around you. And what if we got just that right? He, He goes on, and lead us not into temptation. We can find it all by ourselves. He, he doesn't say that last part. Uh, but here's the thing. And lead us not in temptation or lead us or bring us into temptation and te- or, or testing, but deliver us from the evil one. And this little Greek phrase, evil one, can also be translated evil. It can go either way. Deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Do you know what this means? And this is huge. And many of you have never thought about this. It means that when you pray, you are not intending to do evil. It means you've decided, I do not want to sin against God. In other words, prayer is not what many have been taught, that it's basically about emptying your sin bucket so you can go out and fill it up again and then come back and empty it out again by saying, God, forgive me, and then God forgets your sin magically or you confess it to a priest and dump out that bucket so you can fill it up. That whole routine makes Jesus want to vomit. It's like, are you kidding that's not prayer. I mean, prayer is when you say, I sincerely want to obey you. How could I not obey you? You're, you're the great God and creator of heaven and earth. I've already said that I want your kingdom more than I want my kingdom. I, I want you to provide for me, and I see all provision is coming from you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to forgive the people around me. Now, I don't want any more sin in my sin bucket. And if your intention is to somehow get things right with God so that you can go out and sin some more, Jesus would would say, you see prayer as some sort of game, some sort of leverage or a loophole with God. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is, uh, I, I want you to forgive me of my sin, and God, to the best of my ability, I don't plan to sin anymore. Would you give me protection from the evil one? Would you protect me from temptation? See, if you intend to sin, don't pray. It's a joke. 
you're just making yourself feel better. You, you don't pray if you're planning to sin. You pray when you've decided you're tired of sinning, when you're tired of sin, when you're willing to acknowledge that God is bigger than you. That's what Jesus said when he taught us to pray. Now, most of us grew up with this ending. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know, it's, it's like that, you know, that first tenor soprano part. I was really going to sing it out for you, but just, just not, uh, especially get that glory. But uh, anyway, w- w- this got into our Bible over time. Uh, the oldest Greek manuscripts, don't freak out, don't have this. It was probably added later because Jesus actually abruptly ends his teaching on prayer and then starts talking about forgiveness. And the copyists realized, like, this is just such precious literature. Jesus just taught us how to pray, but Jesus didn't end it so well. So if you don't mind, we're going to kind of tack on this ending, but it does not change one iota of the meaning. It aligns perfectly. In fact, it's kind of a review of everything else. It's not diluting the words. So somebody came up with this, and, and it really is a great ending because it's a review for thine is the kingdom, not mine, and the power. You, you've got all the power, not me. And the glory, it's, it's not about my glory, Lord. It's about yours. That, that's what's worth living for forever and ever. Amen. And whether Jesus said it in this instant or instance or not, it doesn't take away. It adds to the bigness of the prayer and the majesty of how Jesus has taught us how to pray. So here's a quick review. Jesus says, when you pray, do this. Declare God's greatness. Surrender your will. Acknowledge your dependence. If you uh, like an acronym, think DSA. Don't start off asking. Rather, declare, surrender, and acknowledge. And here's the deal. The longer you stay here, the less time you're going to need to stay here. What you ask for is important because you're concerned about the things in your life and the people around you that are suffering and you're getting pandemic fatigue and you're concerned about your kids or your grandkids and their future education or you're concerned about your job and will you have a job come the holidays you're worried about your prodigal son or your daughter and there's the fate of our country and there's all these things in your life that you're concerned about your life and it's not that those things aren't important because they most certainly are but somehow what happens is the, the things that we want and the things that we need and the things that we don't think we can live without, suddenly they begin to shrink within the context of Almighty God who has not fallen off his throne and who has invited you to call him Father. Who says, I, I know. I know about the agony, the struggle, and your singleness, the friction in your marriage. I want you to come and tell me. But I just do, I want you to know, before you came and closed the door to your room or your office, before you found that spot, maybe it was a little awkward because you're not used to like kneeling to pray. Before you got here, I want you to know as your father in heaven, I knew what you wanted and needed even before you asked, but I am honored. Remember who you're bringing it to. Now, But before we get to you, can you take no for an answer? Are you willing to allow me to use the drama in your life or your marriage to do something that you you don't know I'm doing? Are you willing to give me the time that I need to really bring your son or daughter back to a place where they can honor me in a way that they never would have known me before? Can you trust me with your present? Can you trust me with your future? Can you surrender your will to me? Now ask me. Ask me for provision and pardon and protection. This kind of prayer works every single time, not because it moves God, but because it moves you and it moves me. Jesus says, when you pray like this, there's always a reward. And the reward isn't that you always get what you want. Thank God we don't always get what we ask for. 
Thank God, because we don't know what God is doing in the broader context of the world. All we know is our little itty-bitty circumstances and not the ripple effect it would have in the lives of others. Thank God he doesn't always say yes. So every morning, would you get alone? Would you declare God's greatness? Would you surrender your will? Would you declare the greatness and go, wow, what an honor. Would you surrender your will and go every single, and, and every single day, even though it may take a little bit longer or, or a little bit shorter, depending on what's going on in your life, but would you stay there until you can say with as much sincerity as possible, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in my life, as it is in heaven, in this crazy pandemic world, in my singleness, my marriage, my finances, my job, all of this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now that we've got that settled, God, I'm trusting you for provision. Will you acknowledge your dependence? Father, the provision I have, the provision that honestly I take for granted, the provision I need, and God, I'm trusting you for the pardon of my sin. Wow, thank, wow, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And God, I'm trusting you for protection. And besides me, I pray, God, I want you to protect my family and these people I care about. And when I think about what's going on in the world, and God, protect us from evil, from the evil one, as we endeavor to do your will to the best of our ability. And God, make us a group of people that aren't content to pray little itty-bitty prayers about the day and parking. And God, help me to find the keys and, and lead us to a place to where we can say, God, whatever you need of me to accomplish, whatever gives you glory, I'm in. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I don't take all the, any of this lightly because uh, most of the people listening to my voice and me as well, we are feeling the extra weight of what's going on all around us, some more than others. Between pandemic and masks and shutdowns and everything online to a very divisive election to social unrest and social injustice that we are, it's just such a tangled, complicated mess. God, I pray for everyone that's listening to my voice, and, and it isn't. That I pray for us, God. I pray that your will would be done in our lives and through us, that we truly would be the light in this darkened world that you called us to be. And I pray for all of us, Father, that today that we would feel a little more or maybe a lot more of the peace that you offer in knowing that we can trust you and trust you in our lives with our present and with our future. For those, God, that have yet to put their faith in you, God, or they've struggled to keep their faith in you, God, I pray that you would give them just an extra something to show up in an unmistakable way to give them the courage and encouragement that they need to keep pressing forward and trusting in and leaning on you. And it's in the name, name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I am so glad that you joined us today. Uh, this is something that I know is just close to all of us as we work to try and how to interact with God to make sure that we're that we're we're seeing and sensing Him working in our life and to 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 build our trust in our faith. Uh, next week, I would encourage you don't miss uh, joining us next week as we begin a new series. 
that is going to touch on some very specific things that maybe in this season, like no other, uh, are just very significant and maybe a little challenging in how to deal with them. It's a series we've called Life Apps, so don't miss that. If you're a guest, this is your first time joining us, I would encourage you to click on the link in the comments to be able to join our family page. It will give you a more uh, intimate peek behind the scenes of who we are as a community and what we're up to and chances for you to get connected. So do that, okay? Uh, one way or another, come back next week. We'll see you then.